I'm Noah, and you're listening to Product Journey. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Danny. Danny, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, and so Danny, you're the founder of Jam.dev. And so from what I understand, you can tell me if I'm wrong um, and kind of correct me, but from what I understand, what Jam does is it's kind of a tool for developers that helps you kind of track uh, bugs and track issues in a project and kind of has like a system for tracking those, sending those to the team. Um, So it kind of screen captures those and then allows the team to kind of keep up to date on those so they can fix them and all that kind of stuff. How, how, how did I do? Is that, is that about right? So if, if you work with developers, you probably send them bugs. And Jam is the fastest and clearest way to do that. It's a browser extension that when you see a bug, you just one click to capture it. And it grabs the last 30 seconds of what happened, like as a video, plus all of the logs that a developer would get in DevTools, network requests, console logs, plus all the specs about your device and your browser and your operating system and packages it into one link or into one ticket. So it's super fast for you to log bugs and extremely clear and fast for developers to fix them. Oh, wow. Sounds like you've done that a few times before and and kind of pitched that before. (laughs) I'm just excited about it. When my co-founder and I were product managers together at Cloudflare, this was the tool we needed, especially when the world went remote. Um, At that point, I had moved on um, and was a VC, but he was still dealing with this day in, day out and was trying to like chase down bugs that were being logged in spreadsheets and multiple spreadsheets, trying to ping developers, see if they had enough information. Um, our job at, as product managers at Cloudflare was quite interesting. We were on this skunkworks type team where our job was to launch brand new businesses for the company. So we had to move as fast as possible to launch things and see if they worked. And one of the biggest bottlenecks, like one of the biggest slowdowns was just back and forth about tickets and bugs. Okay, cool. That makes sense. So that's kind of where you came up with the idea and decided it was something that you guys wanted to work on. When when did you start the business? We started two years ago. Okay, awesome. And and how long did it take for you to kind of like start on this idea two years ago to the point of like having something that customers could start using and launching it? We shipped really, really fast. Basically, as soon as we started, we had something out the door people could use and then spent 18 months iterating on it, trying to find what's the right form factor for something like this. And we hit product market fit when we launched our latest iteration, probably um, in January. And uh, since then, it's, it's been super exciting. It's growing. It's amazing to see all the teams adopting it, using it, telling other teams. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited. That's pretty awesome. So it took like half a year of like iterating and like trying to build out a solution that people really liked. Um, And then a year, almost a year ago that you kind of feel like things kind of just like clicked. Um, So yeah, what what was some of that process? Like, what did that kind of look like? Like what, what were some of the iterations that you had to go through to kind of figure out that this was going to work or wasn't going to work and like getting that feedback? There's one thing we did extremely differently about our latest iteration that worked versus all the iterations before that didn't. And I think it is actually a key to finding product market fit. In the past, when we were iterating around, 
we were like, let's ship fast, let's ship sloppy, messy stuff. Let's just see what sticks. Like, what will people use? Will they jump through hurdles? And the advice that we always received was, you'll know you have product market fit when people are willing to use your buggy and broken and janky product. And we really believed that. But in the last iteration, the one that worked, we actually decided it's going to ship with a small scope and really high quality. It doesn't ship with bugs. It ships perfectly working. And as soon as we shipped it, people could use it, rely on it, use it daily, recommend it to others. And so it was so much clearer to us that this was the iteration that was working than all the others before. The thing about having bugs mm. in your product is that it causes users to leave. And so you don't know if that retention is because the product doesn't work or because in the market, the product doesn't work. Like, is it buggy or does it not have product market fit? It's, the two look very, very similar. So when you're a founder yeah. and you're looking for product market fit, you just need clarity and bugs obscure that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea because I have heard that kind of advice that like, oh, like if if customers are willing to pay for something, even though it's kind of a, you know, buggy kind of terrible product, then it must be really solving a problem that they need solved. And I could see that maybe working for certain markets where maybe it's like a newer market where there's just like no other solutions that they can choose. And it's really solving something that's new that you're the only option or something um, like I could see it really working there or maybe it works for like a niche where like, again, like it's really the only thing that solves exactly what they need. But if you're launching something in a market where there are some other options, like some other competitors that are kind of solving it in a similar way, like then it's like they have a lot of options. Like they're probably going to choose the one that's not buggy and that works like really well. Um, and and I, I think especially in a lot of different markets now, like it, I feel like things are kind of crowded in different like tools spaces and like the SaaS space that like you kind of have to have a product, even if it's your like MVP or like your first version, like you kind of have to have a product that works really well and isn't like super buggy, um, which is kind of funny because that's like kind of what you guys help with too. <laughs> so you probably don't want a buggy project for or product um, if you're helping people get rid of bugs. <laughs> right. Your bug reporting tool cannot have bugs itself. It's actually interesting. We're seeing now more and more startups that are that are using Jam bring on QA as some of their first hires. Even startups as small as three or four people we're seeing have a QA um, person on the team, even while they're in beta pre-launch. And, and I think it's just that, like, while 10 years ago, Reid Hoffman was like, if you're not embarrassed by your first version, you've shipped too late. I mean, he's right that people should ship fast, but the thing that has not aged well in that advice is that software has now eaten the world. And what that means is that people need to rely on your software to do their daily jobs and tasks. And so the quality bar is just so much higher than it's ever been before. Yeah, that's true. And then you're also, I mean, I guess you're, you're supporting teams like product managers and stuff, but you're a lot of your users are probably also developers, I would guess, which developers can be pretty picky, I think, with like bugs and stuff, because it's like they work in software and stuff all the time. So like, I feel like they can kind of be a hard group to serve because they don't want to work with buggy tools and stuff. But at the same time, they can also be pretty helpful with that too, because they're pretty good at like giving good feedback of like, hey, this thing doesn't work. And I'll send you like a screenshot of like the the error that's showing up and stuff. Um, so is that is that kind of right? Is those kind of the groups that are mainly the ones you're serving? So about a third of our users are product managers. About a third is QA. And the final third is support, engineering, and design. 
um, what we're seeing is that there are two use cases for Jam. One is you're a QA person, you're, you're in support, reporting bugs is what you do, and you just need a better and faster way to do so. And the second use case is you work at a company where the company philosophy is that quality is a team sport, and everyone is together responsible for reporting bugs and keeping the quality high, and then everyone on those teams is reporting bugs with Jam. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you guys went kind of a venture-backed route, and probably a lot of the listeners here are more like bootstrappers, indie hackers, people kind of build, building stuff on their own. Um, so can you share kind of, I guess, why you chose to go that route and how is that, I guess, how do you think that has made the development of the business uh, like different or how does that differ in how you guys make decisions about things than maybe what a lot of the, the listeners would be used to? I am a VC turned founder. And so in, in some ways it was the world I knew. Um, I feel really lucky to have uh, gotten the opportunity to raise venture. It's given us the ability to recruit a team and I, I love working with our team and that just would not have been possible um, in a world in which we could not have raised um, to be able to afford that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think are kind of, cause I've actually thought of this myself. Like I'm, I'm a bootstrapped founder. I've built kind of potion on my own so far. And I really love like the flexibility and like being able to be in full control of like what I'm doing and making decisions and stuff. But, you know, I don't know. I think after you, like as an entrepreneur, as you like get to a certain level, you do kind of like, you do want to kind of go to the next level in some ways of like maybe making something bigger, maybe something more ambitious. So I have kind of thought of the idea of like, hmm, maybe in the future I would want to like raise some money or raise some capital or something like that. Um, so I guess the question is like, yeah, what are the pros and cons of kind of the two different routes and how do you see, see those? By the way, I, I really love how you're building Potion in public, like in the Potion like Twitter account where it has the um, progress bar from zero to 10K MRR mm, and mm -hmm. uh, just like how you share on your podcast. Um, like there was an update in like August where you were saying, okay, I'm feeling motivated again. I've got this. Here's what, here's my plan. I just, yeah. I find that really inspiring. And I, I think it brings people along with Thanks. you. They want to be a part of it. Um, I, I think it is just two different types of businesses. I, um, Definitely, the when you go the venture route, there are just milestones you must meet. It just has to be at a different scale in order to raise your next round. There is something a bit more existential about it in that regard. But there's also something existential about if it's not making enough money for me to live, uh, it, it can't be my current business. And so um, it, it's just it, it's just I think two totally different routes. Right. Um, I guess, did you feel like the pressure of like having to make something work like really quickly because of going like the VC route? I'm sure that you feel this pressure too, right? Like if you do not get to 10K MRR, do, like, is this actually a viable option for you to work on full time? I love mm -hmm. the pressure. Like, yeah, I think life is really fun when you take on a bunch of responsibility and then have to kind of make something happen that's challenging. I think the reason to start a company is is to be along for the adventure and to try and go out and do something really big with a team. And so I I, lo I love the pressure. No, I agree. I th I think that is what is is kind of fun. I mean, that's like I don't know. Bu building a business is kind of like a, a game a little bit, and like trying to like 
take it to the next level, grow it, uh, stuff like that. And so I think the pressure definitely helps in giving some purpose and like drive into like, all right, I got to make this thing happen. I have this goal. I'm going to try to reach for it. Um, so I think that's definitely really helpful um, and is good. Um, at the same time, I feel like sometimes, I don't know, maybe this is just in, in where I'm at with my business. Sometimes I feel like that it's mostly the market that kind of is like making my business work or not. Or like, I don't know, like it seems like there's a lot of things out of my control sometimes. Do you do you ever feel like that? That it's kind of like, well, we'll just kind of see like what happens in the market. Like if this is something that makes sense and it grows kind of based on the market's pace instead of maybe on like you tweaking something. I don't know. Do you, do you ever feel like that? I felt like that so much when we were doing the search for product market fit. Uh, one of the surprising things for me in this whole process was that it just wasn't a linear process. I was used to in my whole life, you work really hard. And if you work hard enough, you can achieve the next thing. In the search for product market fit, you can work really hard to ship the next version faster, but you can't work harder to learn faster beyond moving faster. And so that was one of those, one of I think one of the pieces of advice I sort of wish I had internalized at the beginning of that is that actually to find product market fit, you're in the search for clarity for yourself. And there's sort of a mindset that you need to be in to actually watch the market and see what's happening and see what works and what doesn't. And that mindset is slow and creative. It's open-minded and it's not crunch time, fast, let's go. And, and I, I think actually just leaning into that would, would have been um, quite helpful because I, I think you're right. The, uh, there's a lot of aspect of luck and there's a lot of aspect of sort of the will of the market. Yeah, there's definitely lots of ups and downs and like finding and, and like learning and finding something with your product that really works. So like when you felt like you got to product market fit, like what was like the, like, was there just like, did the business just start growing like way faster? Like all of a sudden, like what, what was that like? The thing that we measured was retention. We only cared about retention. We didn't care about acquisition or growth. Uh, we thought product market fit is when people stick with it, use it, love it, um, and then hopefully tell others who come in, stick with it, use it, love it too. But the best uh, indicator of product market fit is something I heard from Mike Adams, the founder of Grain. He told me that uh, there was a point in which he and his team, all they could think about was product market fit. And then there was a point in which he and his team sort of never thought about product market fit. And that's definitely what happened for us. This time last year, Everything, everything in my brain was about product market fit. My phone was even auto-correcting OMG to PMF. It was the only <laughs> thing I could think about. It was the only thing my co-founder and I talked about. It was the only thing our team was working on. Um, but at this point, we're working on different things. Like our focus has moved on. Yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting way to think about it. It's like you're not worried about it anymore. It's like it just kind of is, is happening now. And so then... I guess so. Yeah. What 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 things are you now thinking about now? Like if you know before then you were kind of thinking like, all right, what do we need to do to make the product something that users love and fix things and whatever with that? Like, what what is your focus kind of switched to now? There are three things. The first is we have such an awesome team. I want to make sure that they are getting what they want out of the startup journey, that they're learning and growing, and that this is like a, a fun and and meaningful adventure in their career too. The second is providing more and more and more value to our users. Um, 
we can do one thing for them, but let's do more and let's help them even more with the problem we solve for them. Um, and the third is growth, uh, getting the word out there, uh, helping development teams find a better and faster way to deliver software as a team. Okay. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so that's actually, so growth is kind of where I'm trying to focus right now on Potion as well. So I'm just curious to hear, like, what are the different things you guys are trying? What leverages are you pulling to try to make the business grow faster? So um, this this is so funny. So so Jam is growing and and it's like almost on its own. Like we just finished six record weeks in a row. This will probably be a seventh. And the thing that is growing Jam is when our users go out and talk about it. They go and tweet, they write medium articles and that, and we're super grateful for that. And and that works. Um, We are also trying to tweet and write medium articles. And let me tell you that no one is seeing our tweets and medium articles. They're coming in from other people. So it's, (laughs) it's an interesting thing that we have to figure out. Like how, how do we grow Jam along with our users? Yeah. And that, that's actually kind of uh, similar to like what I felt and, and maybe kind of what I was kind of saying with like the market a little bit where it's like you feel like you there's not it's kind of out of your control in some ways where it's like, all right, my customers are just going to like talk about it whenever they decide to. And that's kind of more so what leads to like effective growth, where sometimes I feel like when I'm doing stuff, it's like it kind of falls flat. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of feels like I guess. I guess I can't do a ton here, or I guess in my case, a lot of what I've been kind of working on is SEO related kind of stuff. And it just feels like a lot of that is like, all right, I, I put in the work to try to like optimize some things, add some content that's hopefully, you know, hopefully Google likes it. But then it kind of feel like it's just kind of like waiting to see if that actually eventually, you know, it takes time, turns out to be worth the time and the effort. Um, it kind of feels like it's out of your control. Um but that's awesome that it sounds like you have maybe a flywheel kind of starting to build up where customers are kind of doing a lot of the the talking for you. Um, that's a that's a great place uh, to be. It's it's so funny you you say that it, like the work that you're describing on SEO and like letting it sit there and is it working? I feel I feel that a lot um, in the go to market motions. And when you talk to other founders who are like a year or two ahead, they're like, yes, this, that's that's what it is. Those those blog posts will have a longer lifetime than the current lifetime of your company, um, but but I, I completely relate to that. You know, one thing we did um, that was fun and and worked was uh, we wanted to try our first YouTube ad, and you know the mm. problem is have you ever have you ever clicked on a YouTube ad? Like actually, have you ever watched to second six of a YouTube ad? No, I'm not. <laughs> exactly, and so we we're like we have to do something outrageous that all fits in five seconds. And so um, my co-founder and I uh, bought some beekeeping suits on, Am- on Amazon for like 20 bucks. And we dressed up mm. as, you know, real life bug, capture, uh, bug catchers. And we, we went around and we put jam on literal bugs. Um, and, and, and that was, it was fun to make and, and drove a little bit of traffic. So that, so that works? Like people stayed, stayed after the five seconds to, to see what you're doing in those suits? <laughs> <laughs> the whole ad was five seconds. Um, at the end, it says "call now to get a free toaster." Um, but I, I think, like in developer and QA, it's like there's lots of like Reddit meme culture, and and this one works well there. That's funny. That's good. Uh, what I guess, what other things have you guys tried? And do you have like a, a marketing team, or or like how many people do you have working on the marketing side of things? So we're we're a six person team. It's my co founder and I, and four engineers. Uh, we don't have a dedicated marketing team. 
So it's, it's really a team effort. My co-founder and I are just writing a lot of things. We're interviewing people for the blog. Um, yeah, work in progress. Okay. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's, yeah, that helps me visualize what it, it kind of work looks like with a, a six person team. I think I was imagining like a little bit bigger team, but that's, that's pretty cool. Cause, um, yeah, just when I think of like a venture backed company, sometimes you think of like a, a startup that's like, you know, just hiring tons of people and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a six person team isn't, you know, that's, that's not that much different from, you know, some bootstrapped companies that are kind of slowly, um, growing their team and stuff like that. Um, is there plans to kind of keep growing the team or, or, yeah, what's that kind of look like in the next uh, six months or so? I'm a huge believer that small teams can actually do more than big teams. Like if something's really important, you actually want fewer people working on it than more. Uh, I'm very inspired by Instagram. They were uh, 13 people at a billion dollar valuation. I would love for Jam um, to be that type of company where a few people really pull their weight, work hard and work great together and get a lot done. I think that that's possible when you're building a narrow tool um, or a narrow product um, that's premium so you don't need to have a big sales motion either yeah I, I think I agree with that too I, I like that idea of like of, like that kind of business sounds like a fun business to build and run to me as well where it's like you just have a you know small team few couple contributors that are like just really good at their craft that you're working with um, and then like yeah it does seem like there's just a lot less management kind of stuff that you have to do at that size. And it's, it's just, everyone just kind of talking to each other instead of like having managers of teams and stuff like that. And, and the whole communication getting a lot more complicated. Um, so yeah, I, I think I agree with you that like a small team of like the right people could like just do a ton. Like it kind of reminds me of like uh, Peter levels, like on Twitter, you know, he's like a solo builder and it's like, he can just do a ton all by himself. Um, and you can build pretty big businesses that way. And so just kind of expanding that out to like a, a team, you know, less than 10 people. Uh, I don't know that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah. It's like you're building the Beatles. Like every single person needs to just be awesome and how you work together just needs to be awesome too. Um, and the more people you add, the less it can be like the Beatles because you want that like special creative energy of how each person works with each other person. Um, when, when you come from product management and then go into being a founder, uh, often at the beginning you feel like, or at least I felt like, oh, we're building a product. This is like what I used to do, but really you're building a company. And part of building a company is building this machine that knows how to execute well together. And when it's a smaller team, you can really work together on how are we working together? How do we do what we do and keep refining it over and over? Uh, we do retros hilariously often, but they each last like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but after it, any project goes out the door, we do a quick retro and we're constantly evolving. Like we have a very lightweight process for how we do things, but what served us well, what didn't serve us well, what do we want to try? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so I'm curious, like what does a normal day look like? Or even like, what have you been working on recently? Like in the last week um, and just some of the things you've been up to recently? Oh, I'm so excited about the things we've been up to recently. We're sort of in a feature moment. Um, now that, you know, Jam is working, it's been in beta for seven months. Um, we, like, we no longer need to iterate on a small thing. We can now go, go, go. And so there's lots of features um, coming out that I'm super excited about um, and features that have just shipped recently. And uh, just recently we shipped 
this like super lightweight, way faster, way more reliable just version of Jam that's just so awesome. Um, so I, I've been super excited about all of that stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so it's, it sounds like there's there's a like things are going well for Jam, and there's there's a lot to look forward to um, with what you're doing. Um, any any other like thoughts or questions that you have for me, or just things you've been thinking about recently? I'm curious, as a team of one, how do you stay motivated, moving fast? How do you divide your time? That's a really good question, and something I think I've been struggling with recently. I, it was funny because you you talked about earlier about how I was, I think, a couple months ago, like really motivated to make progress, um, and and I was, but I, I noticed that I definitely la- wax and wane with my motivation just based on how things are going, basically, um, like. If I have like some ideas of like, okay, I think I could, you know, work on these things, kind of make these different little bets on the business and I feel a lot of potential in them, I'll get really motivated and excited to work on those. And I'll just like uh, really like jam those out, I guess. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if, if I do some of those things and they don't turn out to be maybe as effective as I was hoping or planning, then I think some of my motivation can kind of wane and be like, "Mm, man, I don't know what I should spend my time on as much because, you know, I felt like some of my time was maybe wasted or whatever. Um, So yeah, I feel like I've been struggling with that recently because a lot of the last month, I've mostly been doing different things around SEO. I did this kind of like this new like potion widgets that's kind of like this free tool that's, the whole idea is to try to gain a lot of SEO, a lot of traffic coming um, for some of these like free widgets, kind of like a marketing engineering idea. And I haven't really seen any results from that. And that's where it's like, it's kind of hard to like, oh man, am I, am I working in the right direction with this? Is my time on that worth it? And so then I, I feel like not as motivated to continue doing that or continue working on different parts of Potion when that happens. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of struggling with that right now, to be honest. Um, where in the past, like I'll, I'll, you know, add some features, get a lot of great feedback, customers like it. And then I'm kind of re-motivated, like, all right, let me, you know, keep doing that or keep working on some different ideas around that. Um, so I don't know, maybe, do you have any, maybe you have some advice for me or, or thoughts around that? I relate to this so much. It's so interesting. It's like counterintuitive. It's like, um, success you think that motivation is sort of like an intrinsic thing, like you want to reach a goal. And and as you are far away from the goal, you have the motivation to get there. But actually, it's like the uh, success begets more motivation. It's like if you're trying to lose mm-hmm. weight, actually losing some weight is the most motivating thing to losing more weight. It's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. I can do more of this. Or like writing an SEO article and getting some traffic is actually more motivating to writing SEO than needing to do it from the first place. I think one of, one of yeah. the really lucky things about having a team is when is the team brings you up, there's always something that someone is really excited about or a great idea that someone has to try. I felt really lucky yeah. in that regard with my co-founder. Sometimes, like, especially when we're looking for product market fits, like we work really hard and, and like, yet it doesn't have product market fit. One of us will be like, oh, but, but hear me out. Here's the next thing we should try and feel and like fuels the motivation back again. Um, yeah. 
No, yeah, I can see that. I could definitely see that being maybe one of the cons of doing like a solo business like I'm doing where I'm the only one putting effort in. And so if that effort isn't going well, there's there's not as much maybe around to help motivate me where if I had, you know, a co-founder or someone else that's like doing something and that is work, like you have more chances of something working, hopefully, <laughs> when you have multiple people working on something. Um, so yeah, that can definitely be tricky because you know, I don't have like a ton of people necessarily that I'm like, you know, making these decisions with or um, talking with about the business because it's, you know, I'm on my own there. So yeah, definitely that can be a struggle sometimes. A hundred percent. I don't know if you play chess, but in chess, like when you play chess, you'll notice that um, one, one blunder won't lose your game. But one blunder will cause you to blunder more because you feel down on yourself and that will cause you to yeah. lose the game. And, and I feel like there's a parallel here in startups. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that's that's happened a lot to me in chess because I'm not that great at chess. So <laughs> if I make a mistake, I'm just going to keep making mistakes. Um, yeah, something with this that I've thought about, you know, there's kind of this debate, I think even like, especially on Twitter, I've seen a lot recently of, and, and that maybe this is more in the, like the indie hacker bootstrapper world, but the idea of like working on multiple things rather than focusing on one thing. And I think especially in the VC world, it probably makes sense. And pretty much everyone is doing this, I think, is just working on one thing because it's like you got money invested to do this. You're going to spend all your time focusing on that thing, making it grow, all that. Um, but there's kind of this debate in like the indie hacker world of like, and the bootstrapping world of like does it make sense to try to like push on two things at once um because maybe this there's only so there's only, it's only so fast that you can make something grow um if you if you're you know if your sources are seo and things that kind of take time and kind of you know it's like the slow ramp of death with SaaS sometimes um so i don't know i've thought about that too like maybe maybe potion can only grow so fast with me working on it and maybe some of my time could be better spent on something else or even on some freelance or I don't know. So I've been even thinking in those directions as well. And I don't know if that's correct or not either, but <laughs> um, just some different thoughts there that are still kind of open in my mind, I guess. That's so interesting. I, I can't imagine adding a second jam, if that makes sense. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just like startup work is so it's so nonlinear, and so it's not that like oh this many hours a day would be for this thing and this many hours a day would be for that thing. It's like in the off hours when you're just walking or you're reading a science fiction book or whatever it is um, that like your brain starts sort of working on the problems of the day. And um, yeah, I can't imagine having enough like spare capacity to work on extra problems of the day for two sets of things. Feels like it takes so much focus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe I need to be reading some more science fiction and, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll exactly. figure out all my issues issues there. Um, well, awesome. Uh, thanks for coming on, uh, Danny. And I really appreciate hearing kind of your story. And it's really interesting hearing how you guys achieved product market fit with Jam. And so I hope uh, the best for you guys. Hope to keep growing it. And it'll be cool to see uh, where you guys go. Thank you so much, Noah. Same goes. Thank you for having me on. All right, listeners, we'll see you in another episode. Thanks.